At this time, we would invite consider how you might reveal the presence of God in the world by sharing your gifts. You might jot down how you can share with others. Even if you're sheltered at home, there are things you can do. Phone calls, emails, cards, a sign in the window. And at the Sheridan household, you put teddy bears in the windows so that children smile as they walk down the street with their parents. If you're financially able, there are many charities that can put your resources to good use. This church, its work continues, and we'd encourage you to donate to this church's mission at urbucc.org. You may also wish to consider giving to the National Church Disaster Relief Fund and the Strengthen the Church special offering. All of these funds are particularly important in these challenging times. Let us pray the prayer of gratitude. Dear God, we give thanks to you for the gift of life and the many blessings you have bestowed upon us. In these challenging times, we are most thankful that you walk with us, sharing our joys, joining in our grief, and giving us hope by the promise of your abiding love and grace. Amen. Our scripture reading today is from chapter 2 of the book of Acts. It describes Pentecost, the traditional birthday of the Christian church, through the arrival of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they all met in one room. Suddenly, they heard what sounded like a violent rushing wind from heaven. The noise filled the entire house in which they were sitting. Something appeared to them that seemed like tongues of fire. These separated and came to rest on the head of each one. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as she enabled them. Now there were devout people living in Jerusalem from every nation under, God, under heaven, and in this sound they all assembled. But they were bewildered to hear their native languages spoken. They were amazed and astonished. Surely all these people speaking are Galileans. How does it happen that each of us hears their words in our native tongue? All were amazed and disturbed. They each asked each other, what does this mean? But others said mockingly, they've drunk too much new wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven and addressed the crowd, women and men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, listen to what I have to say. These people are not drunk as you think. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, it's what Joel the prophet spoke of. In the days to come, it is our God who speaks. I will pour out my spirit on all humankind. Your daughters and sons will prophesy. Your young people will see visions. And your elders will dream dreams. Pentecost and the pandemic. Two words I never figured I would put in the same phrase, let alone as the topic of a sermon. But the topic for today is clear. I did not choose it. 
none of us did. The topic is pressed upon us because of this moment in time. Our undeniable reality is bracketed by those two words, those two totally incompatible words, Pentecost and the pandemic. When I first started preparing this sermon, I, like the rest of the world, was preoccupied with the coronavirus pandemic. In a few short months, that virus has killed hundreds of thousands of people, infected millions, and eventually it will disrupt the life in some manner of every person on this planet. And then something happened again in Minneapolis. Four police officers arrested an unarmed black man, George Floyd, for some kind of an alleged forgery violation. They handcuffed him, put him to the ground, held down his legs, and one police officer placed his knee and pressed it down on Floyd's neck. Floyd's pleas that he could not breathe were ignored for over eight minutes. That kind of horror can and should make each one of us breathless, but not speechless. It cannot be ignored. As children of God, it must be addressed with all of our strength, perhaps until our very last breath. It must be the topic for this Pentecost Sunday and beyond. The pandemic we face is not merely a virus. It is a disease of the heart and soul, a disease that infects a child of God created in the image of God, a disease that somehow seduces us in embracing the fallacy that God only loves people like us, that we can and should deny the dignity and well-being of people who are different. The tragedy of George Floyd reminds us of this relentless, pervasive pandemic of the soul. For some 400 years, this social construct of race has been designed to distinguish, discriminate, and dominate people of color. White supremacy. No one escapes the infection it imposes of the others. Sadly, George Floyd is not alone. The national leaders of the United Church of Christ recently posted a statement entitled, Lynching Justice in America. Read it. It's at ucc.org. The statement reviews just four of the most recent, most visible examples of what I would call lynching de facto. Floyd was lynched not by a rope, but by the knee of a police officer pressed against his neck. Ahmaud Arbery was jogging, and he was lynched by some shotgun-toting vigilantes in Georgia. Breonna Taylor was lynched while asleep 
by police gunfire in a mistaken raid in Kentucky. And then there was a black man birdwatching in Central Park in New York City who was threatened with lynching because a distraught woman pretended to police that she was being threatened by a black man. Like the coronavirus, there is no sure treatment for this pandemic of the soul. There is no spiritual vaccine that will make us impenetrable to its power. We may find forgiveness, we may find redemption, but as long as we live, we are never immune from reinfection. The stark contrast between Pentecost and this pandemic should be made clear. Pentecost Sunday is when we celebrate the birth of the church. But during this pandemic, our church and most churches have been appropriately locked up because of the virus. On that Pentecost long ago, the 12 apostles were together in a room in a house in Jerusalem. Twelve, not ten or less. Outside, a large crowd gathered. No social distancing there. But today, because of the virus, we are sheltered in our homes, physically separated from each other, unable to give someone a pat on the back, a handshake, a hug, and certainly not a loving embrace. Sadly, because of the pandemic of the soul, our neighborhoods, schools, businesses, and churches too often are separated because of our differences. On that Pentecost long ago, the crowd outside included many foreigners, devout Jews from many different nations visiting or living and working in Jerusalem. But today, foreigners are too often not welcome. And sadly, the pandemic of the soul gives those who wish to keep them out, one more reason to do so, to keep them out and ignore their needs. On that Pentecost long ago, the Holy Spirit somehow enabled the apostles to Galilean Jews to speak these various languages of the foreigners in the crowd, and they understood them. But today, because of the pandemic of the soul, we are more often reminiscent of the story of the Tower of Babel, when the end, in the end, everyone speaks a different language and no one understands the other. Howard Thurman, again, in his book, Jesus and the Disinherited, described Christianity as, quote, a technique of survival for the oppressed, unquote especially for those, quote, with their backs against the wall, unquote. He believes this strongly because Christianity at its foundation affirms that every one of us is a child of God, loved by God, no matter what. And as Jesus reminded us, the two greatest commandments are to love God and to love our neighbor. We are here today because the pandemic of the soul will not get the last word. Pentecost long ago and Pentecost today, nevertheless, offer some hope. 
Hope born from faith in a loving God. Not a God who would impose a pandemic as a punishment, but a God who would grieve, join in our grief and loss, and give us incentive and tools to faithfully respond in love. Hope that we too can be touched by God and transformed. Hope that through faith we can do unexpected, extraordinary things, good things, even in a pandemic. Hope that God's love and our love will be extended to all children of God, where all children are deemed essential. Embrace Pentecost. Embrace hope born of faith. For in the midst of this pandemic, we are not seeing the death of the church. We are seeing its rebirth. As predicted by the prophet Joel, the Spirit of God is alive and well and encouraging our daughters and sons to prophesy, our young to see visions, and our elders to dream dreams. From house churches of old to mighty cathedrals, we are now experiencing the rebirth of the church through Facebook, YouTube, and Zoom. But most importantly, reborn within each one of us in these challenging times. To conclude, it is a fitting to recall the lovely hymn that many of us learned as children, We Are the Church, which reminds us that the church is not a building. The church is not a steeple. The church most certainly is not a resting place. The church is a people. Amen.